Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. Biden lost a lot of goodwill. He lost a lot of the trust that was given to him at the outset of this year. The Democratic Party can't find its way back to the JFK days because it's so far over to the left. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. People generally don't have a favorable view of Congress, but they do of their own congressmen. It's got to be something that all 50 senators, every single 50 senator can support. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. We're coming to you live from the White House. And what timing? House Speaker Nancy Pelosi arrived here a short time ago to meet with the president who canceled his trip to Chicago for this very reason. Opportunities like these. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer also meeting with the president here today. And of course, they have a lot to talk about. Another day closer to a possible government shutdown. Even as the Senate prepares legislation to fund operations beyond tomorrow, while the House takes another crack at the debt ceiling. And then, yes, of course, there's infrastructure with a Thursday vote in the House looking highly unlikely at the moment. But as Jen Psaki just told the White House press corps, the day is young. And we'll get into it all this hour with Bloomberg government congressional reporters Emily Wilkins and Jack Fitzpatrick and the panel, Democratic strategist Kevin Walling at HG Creative Media with us today, along with Republican strategist John Hart of C3 Solutions. They'll be around for the hour and later our conversation with Congressman James Comer, Republican from Kentucky, ranking member on the House Oversight Committee, who is in the House voting this hour as we speak. We have both ends of Pennsylvania Avenue covered for you today as we join you live from Bloomberg Radio's White House studio. And there has been a flurry of activity here with, as I mentioned, Speaker Pelosi arriving just in the last hour for a meeting with the president. While congressional leaders, Democratic congressional leaders tackle government funding and the debt ceiling today on the Hill, while the debate around infrastructure and reconciliation continues, you have four simultaneous potential crises, the latter two Infrastructure and reconciliation remain stuck in a stare-off between moderate and progressive Democrats, none of whom seem to be budging. Still, another day, Groundhog Day. So what about the infrastructure vote that Nancy Pelosi promised moderates by tomorrow? Remember, Thursday was supposed to be the time, and if you were with us this time yesterday, you already know that it may not happen. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki was just asked about it upstairs in the briefing room. How confident is the White House at this point of a vote on infrastructure tomorrow, or do you think that could slip into next week? Have you gotten any assurances? Well, this is why we all came to Washington. Uh, It's like an episode of a TV show. Uh, I'm not in a position to lick on a crystal ball here. Maybe the West Wing? If something good happens, maybe Veep. If not, um, I'm not sure. I will assess tomorrow where we stand. Yes. That's why we're here in the West Wing. Well, at least in the basement of the West Wing, just above the old swimming pool. The new home of the fastest hour in politics. We're here live in the Sound On studio. But of course, things have changed a lot since President Bartlett was on TV. So we still do not know if infrastructure gets a vote tomorrow, 24 hours out. 
and it's unclear when a framework for reconciliation will be ready for progressives, even though they're asking for more than that. The Democrats say they will pass a bill to fund the government, avoid a shutdown, and they even took another swing, as I mentioned today, at the debt ceiling. And I want to start there with Bloomberg government's Jack Fitzpatrick, who has been crawling through the halls of Congress throughout the day. Jack, welcome. Why don't we tick away at these one at a time here? A bill to fund the government. The Senate's been working on that, and we're told there could be a vote even tonight. What are you hearing? Yeah, well, crawling through the halls is a good way to put it because that kind of gets at the pace of action here in Washington. (laughs) Even though it's very, very busy, they're moving a little more slowly than they would like. Uh, Last I've heard from Republicans who are pushing for at least one amendment, if not multiple, uh, say this is probably going to have to be a vote tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Remember, tomorrow night, 11.59 p.m. is the deadline, uh, and the House hasn't passed this, so there'd have to be uh, two chambers acting in quick succession on this stopgap measure for that to work out. Although I would point out on this government funding issue, not so much the debt limit issue, but on government funding, nothing has really become the bombshell that stops them in their tracks. These are issues that they have the ability to work through on the Afghanistan funds that are needed and that kind of thing. And I haven't heard from anybody who says they actually expect a shutdown. It's just that they're kind of procrastinating and probably going to cut it close tomorrow. Boy, it sure sounds like it. I've been making a big deal throughout the day, Jack, of the congressional baseball game. Does that actually get in the way of voting tonight? Uh, Because they don't have a, a solution to this wrapped up right now, it probably isn't a major issue, especially because that's more a House thing, and it's the senators who have this in their hands right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, There have been times when they've put off significant action in Congress because of the baseball or the softball game. Uh, But fortunately, the the, the crisis here has not come from the baseball game. It's it's really (laughs) other issues right now. Not to be too cute, but uh, it does seem as if, though, that will get done in time, right? This is not a terribly controversial issue. And as you mentioned, there's no debt ceiling attached to this CR. So when lawmakers are are in the room here, they'll pass a bill to fund the government. Right, Jack? Yeah, everyone expects there to be bipartisan support for this stopgap measure. They're working through the details. The details they're working on are exactly the the language on the Afghanistan uh, refugee issues and also Iron Dome funding that the Israeli uh, defense system. But there's it's stuff that there's going to be bipartisan support for. If they were to miss a deadline, it, they would probably fund the government very, very quickly. But nobody I've talked to actually expects a shutdown at this point. This is pretty good news because, as you've been hearing throughout the day on Bloomberg, some in the markets are wondering if that will actually get done. Now, the debt ceiling is another matter, as we told you yesterday in our Schoolhouse Rock episode, It has been stripped from the CR to fund the government, and it remains highly controversial. Republicans don't want to go near it, but there was an effort today to actually get this uh, moving again in the House, which I'll ask you about in a moment, Jack. Jen Psaki, press secretary here at the White House, was asked about this again today. It remains a big uh, problem for Democrats who have been told to go it alone uh, by Senator Mitch McConnell. And and Saki responds to that. Here's what she said. What's so absurd about this is that these are individuals, especially Senator McConnell, who have made very clear uh, in the past about their concerns and the risks of the U.S. government defaulting. This is why it's never happened in the past. It would have a huge, devastating impact on our economy. He knows that. He stated that publicly. He still won't vote for it, and he still is trying to stop us from raising the debt limit. Uh, If that's not politics, I don't know what is. Well, there's a lot of politics going around up there right now. Jack, there was 
A move in the House today. Uh, Congressman McGovern, the Rules Committee, brought a bill, a debt ceiling bill, to the floor. What happens here? Uh, well, Democrats are going to try to push that through, but they're they're not using the reconciliation process that allows them to pass something with a simple majority in the Senate. So that's not a solution. Republicans were totally united in opposing uh, the previous attempt, the, the stopgap measure to fund the government, along with the debt limit suspension. Yeah. So that really doesn't solve things. Talking to Democrats, they don't really know exactly what their plan B is. We've gotten to the point where they're talking about mint the coin. They're talking about constitutional <laughs> constitutional arguments that, that maybe the, the debt limit is uh, is unconstitutional. Uh, but they, they haven't rallied around a plan B. I think they, they, this is a sign there will be more votes, but those votes will be rejected in the Senate by Republicans. Uh, and this is a much more serious and scary issue than the prospect of the shutdown, which yeah. uh, people are pretty optimistic on. But the debt limit, uh, there's really not a clear path that Democrats have settled on. Well, lastly, Jack, what's the point of this exercise? Is this, again, an attempt by Democrats to kind of paint Republicans into a corner, or was there a belief that it might actually pass? Uh, well, d- d- Democrats probably want to blame Republicans for blocking this, but mostly this is happening because Republicans are insisting Democrats go back and change their reconciliation instructions, which would use up floor time. It could get them into a, a debate where they start rethinking their reconciliation bill. It's very, very difficult. Uh, and Republicans are insisting on that for that reason. It, it would slow down everything Democrats want to do over the next couple weeks. And so that's why Republicans are making this this point. And Democrats obviously don't want to do that because it's the most difficult route to go. Uh, and and really, the, the issue is that they probably need to come up with a plan B, but they just haven't done it yet. Bloomberg government's Jack Fitzpatrick with us live from Capitol Hill. And we want to bring in. Thank you, as always, Jack. We want to bring in Emily Wilkins, Jack's colleague at Bloomberg government, who's also spent yet another busy day on Capitol Hill here as we turn to the matter of infrastructure and reconciliation. Emily, the leaders came down to this end of Pennsylvania Avenue, Pelosi and Schumer, to meet with Joe Biden. Is there any thought that there could be a break, a deal in time for that promised vote tomorrow? Not if you're Senator Joe Manchin. He told reporters today that there was no way that they were going to be able to get a framework with a top-line number on reconciliation done by tomorrow. And that's the one thing uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi was really holding out hope for. She thought that maybe if they had a framework, they could convince those progressives to go ahead and vote for infrastructure. Uh, At this point, one of three things is going to happen. Either progressives will cave and vote for the bill, either the bill will fail, or either Speaker Pelosi will decide within the next 24 hours that she doesn't have the votes and and yank the bill from the floor. And and that's going to upset moderates and centrists and and probably a number of people who are really hoping uh, to see this bill pass. We had calls out to a lot of lawmakers today, Emily. Are people getting quiet at this point, especially moderates, at at the the prospect of losing this opportunity to vote tomorrow? And what are they going to do if it doesn't happen? number of members today who are really running in these challenging districts. They're the ones who are most likely to lose their seats in 2022. And what they told me is that they really do need to get both bills done. It needs to be not just infrastructure, but both infrastructure and reconciliation, because reconciliation has priorities in it, like affordable uh, child care, expansion of Medicare, lower drug pricing. And these are all things that Democrats even more moderate Democrats, really do want to run on. But I will say, as you go around and you ask 
uh, lawmakers about what's going to happen tomorrow. There's a lot of we don't know yet and we're not sure. A lot of them are leaning on Speaker Nancy Pelosi and and her vote with the abilities, but it really does remain to be seen. Emily, I only have a couple seconds here, but you cover this as closely as anyone. Do you feel any differently now than you did a couple of days ago about the odds of this happening? Uh, No, not really. If anything, it it seems like only the prospects have only gotten worse for infrastructure to pass tomorrow. This is someone who covers this every day for a living. Emily Wilkins, it's great to have you as always. A friend of the family here at Sound On, and thanks to Jack as well. Sound On brought to you by Barish and McGarry, lawyers for the 9-11 community. For 20 years, they've been fighting for those who continue to get sick from the 9-11 toxins. Free health care and compensation are available. Visit 911victims.com. Up next, we assemble the panel. Democratic strategist Kevin Walling, Republican strategist John Hart. Up next, I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Headline on the terminal, Biden rushes to rescue agenda as Democrats splinter clock ticks. Doesn't sound good. As we read the White House in touch again today with moderate Democratic Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, both of whom were here at the White House for hours-long sessions yesterday. And as we speak, as I've mentioned, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer coming here to the White House from the other end of Pennsylvania Avenue to meet with President Biden today. We are live from the West Wing on this episode, this Wednesday edition of Bloomberg Sound On. And progressives are not happy either. No one can seem to get on the same page. We've been keeping an ear each day on remarks and tweets and other comments From the head of the Progressive Caucus in the House, Representative Pramila Jayapal, who weighed in yet again today on her feelings about infrastructure. Here's what she said. We are not voting for the bipartisan bill unless we have the reconciliation bill done. Word for word, what she told us on this program the end of last week went on to say that even Democrats who are lukewarm on the infrastructure package have that end goal in mind. If it even came up on its own without the without the reconciliation bill, people would vote it down just on substance because they don't like it. But every single one of them understands they play on a Democratic team for a Democratic president with a Democratic agenda. And that president wants to see both of them passed. The question is, what happens if infrastructure does not move tomorrow, as Nancy Pelosi had promised moderates? Progressives seem to be ready to wait as long as both move together. And we assemble the panel today to get the insights from Kevin Walling, Democratic strategist at HG Creative Media, former Biden campaign surrogate, and John Hart, Republican strategist, co-founder of C3 Solutions, co-author of The Debt Bomb, an awfully important book at the moment. Welcome to both of you. Kevin, uh, President Biden appears to be digging in here, meeting with all of the parties in person. He canceled his trip to Chicago that had been set for today on another matter, giving up the opportunity to talk to some lawmakers on Air Force One. Is he going to start leaning into these meetings a little more to provide more direction? He's been referred to as the closer more than once. Hey, Joe, it's good to be with you. I think, he, you know, more than anyone, this president can close uh, this deal. Obviously, as you rightly point out, reporting live from the West Wing. He's got uh, Schumer and Pelosi right now in the Oval Office hammering this out. I'm sure he's working the phones to both ends of my party uh, in terms of the progressive and more centrist wing. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, you know, what you heard from uh, Congresswoman Jayapal at the end is that we're all on the same team. 
they know that they can only be as successful on the reconciliation package if we move forward on infrastructure and get a win notched for the president. That's how we stay competitive just 400 days out from the midterms. Uh, and, and I think you're going to see forward momentum on that hopefully tomorrow. Now, I, I think, you know, your reporting from Jack and Emily is spot on. I think, you know, we uh, are not going to see the government shut down. I think that's also going to be a win for the president. There doesn't seem to be any kind of cracks in that in the next 48 to 24 hours in terms of actually getting the government funded before tomorrow's midnight deadline. So I think it's going to happen in rapid succession. This president's been at it for, you know, five decades in elected life. And uh, I think he can bring folks to the table uh, and, and get this done for the American people. John Hart, just to back up, uh, as Kevin did for us, this this more immediate deadline about a government shutdown. Is that is that a bipartisan issue in, in your view to actually keep the government running? Well, Joe, yeah, thanks for having me on. I think the government shutdown, I, I agree with Kevin. I don't think it's going to happen. I think I think McConnell has effectively uh, played the Democrats on that, quite frankly. I think he he's he had a short term tactical goal. Uh, kind of like having Saddam Hussein withdraw from Kuwait, you know, without reshaping the Middle East, I think. And he's achieved that. He wants uh, Democrats to own increasing the debt limit. Uh, so that's mission accomplished, I think, for McConnell from this perspective. But I think, you know, the bigger picture here is I think what we're watching is House progressives have taken Joe Biden hostage and they're begging Republicans to not shoot. So if you remember the movie Blazing Saddles, where, where the, the protagonist takes himself hostage, I think that's that's part of what we're seeing unfold. And this reminds me a lot of – I spent 10 years in the Senate as an aide to, to Senator uh, Tom Coburn from Oklahoma. Yeah. And this is a lot like the Obamacare shutdown in 2013, where Ted Cruz – and we strongly oppose this because Ted Cruz took the Republican Party hostage and begged Democrats not to shoot when he demanded that – President Obama defund his signature, his signature achievement, Obamacare, in order to keep the government open. So I, you know, there's going to be some messiness over the next few days. Uh, I think there's a, there's a realistic chance this uh, the entire Biden agenda falls apart. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily bet on that. I think I think Democrats want to pass something, uh, yeah. but you know, Joe Biden is no LBJ. He doesn't have the the, the force of will and muscle to, to do, I think, what needs to be done to force Democrats to, to agree on something. Can you speak to this uh, this idea, Kevin, that, that Joe Biden is being held hostage by progressives? We heard about this during the campaign. You certainly did. That was the line from Donald Trump and his surrogates that Joe Biden would be taking orders from the progressive wing. Does this not fulfill that vision? It's a, it's a good point. I mean, and, and, you know, to John, I love any kind of Blazing Saddles reference, so I'm, I'm with you on that, my friend. <laughs> oh, um, but listen, this is, this, is, this is the president's agenda. I mean, the progressives are fighting for this Build Back Better agenda, this $3.5 trillion reconciliation package. This is the president's agenda. This is what he has set out. He's not being pulled in any direction by centrists or, or progressives of my party. This is what he's laid out. So I think this is something that he campaigned on in terms of the key tenets of that, in terms of child tax credits, you know, free uh, college a tradition, a t- tuition at um, at local and, and uh, community colleges. So these these are all kind of key tenets of what he ran on in the in the primary, right? Uh, that he wants to deliver on. And again, he has an eye to the midterm. He's stuck, you know, no matter what. Four hundred days from now, if we lose either of the houses, uh, you know, Kevin, we'll get the, back uh, to this next. Draft. I'm sorry, we're out of time. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Of course, we couldn't come to the White House today without inviting Jonathan Bernstein. Bloomberg opinion columnist who's focused on and writing about the debt limit, among other things, which is pretty good timing as Democrats take another swing here, another crack at the debt ceiling. 
As we discussed with uh, Jack a little bit earlier in the broadcast, Jack Fitzpatrick on Capitol Hill, the Rules Committee Chair, Congressman Jim McGovern, got a debt ceiling measure back on the floor today. They're planning to vote on this, and, well, it's not likely it will end any differently than the last one. Even though it's not tied to government funding, Republicans just have no appetite for it. As I read in Jonathan's column, the headline, Blame GOP on Debt Limit, Democrats too." The unanimous Republican refusal, Jonathan writes, even to allow a vote to let the government keep paying bills is irresponsible. The Democratic response, he writes, has been feckless. Jonathan, what's feckless about the response? Well, you know, it's that it doesn't make much sense. Um, there's no question the Republicans are responsible. The Republican position doesn't make any, you know, it's, it's Democrats have the vote, so they should do it. But we're yeah. going to prevent that from happening because we're going to use the filibuster. The problem is that we know they're going to do that. It's no real surprise that they're going to um, act reckless and irresponsible. So what are the Democrats going to do about it? And, you know, sending one after another after another, this will be the third one at least, um, resolution, you know, attempt to the Senate floor only to have it lose. At some point, you know, it's, it's difficult to see what the advantage of doing this. Why, why don't they just move on to whatever they're going to eventually do to resolve this thing? Because I don't see how it helps them. Multiple, I'm assuming it's to film commercials for the midterms, right? Multiple attempts to paint Republicans into a corner, right or wrong, so they can have them on the record. Is, isn't that the way Washington works, Jonathan? You know, I suppose so. But it, it, if that's what's happening, there's no, you know, they've got one vote. That's happened. Yeah, um, that's right. the audience here? Are people out in the country desperately trying to figure out who to blame for a debt limit impasse that eventually is going to have to get resolved? Are people going to remember about that a year from now when, when we're coming close to election time? Of course not. That's not how elections work. What matters for Democrats is getting the economy in good gear, you know, passing their proposals when they have a chance to do so. They need to do something about the debt limit. There are various ways they could do it without Republicans. They're going to have to pick one of them. Um, they've made their point. Okay, we get it. Move on. Yeah, we've seen uh, we've seen conversations one of which we discussed yesterday about using the 14th Amendment. We've heard about a trillion-dollar coin. But the White House and Democratic leaders have made clear this needs to be done through legislation, right, Jonathan? You know, it doesn't. They could mint the coin. They could uh, declare the 14th Amendment process. But they're not going to get that done in the next uh, less than 20 days. They could. Minting the coin can be done very quickly. They could do any of this very quickly. Reconciliation is the one which actually has multiple steps and... If Republicans are foot-dragging, it's hard to get done. Now, we don't know to what extent Republicans would actually try to extend it beyond the deadline. Um, We also don't know how firm the deadline is. You know, with the government shutdown, that's a deadline. There's no money appropriated after a certain point. Then, you know, so you have to pass something. With the debt limit, there's always a little bit of shakiness with it. Yeah, sure. We should note, by the way, just to keep people posted on what's happening here at the White House, Nancy Pelosi has just left. The speaker came this way from the Capitol today for an Oval Office session with President Biden. I'm kind of wondering if the president's going to go to the baseball games. And I think the annual congressional baseball game happening across town as well. Jonathan, uh, it, what you're saying, the, the, the suggestion of... Uh, that people aren't even going to remember this is probably true. You know, a year or two from now brings me to another column you wrote recently. Popular policies don't win elections. We keep hearing from Democrats how popular this business is, but we can't seem to get an agreement on it. Infrastructure, I should say. Well, you know, the 
record on this over time is that um, you pass a programs because you want them to be passed. It doesn't really matter how they pull beforehand. You know, you take something like um, the Great Society programs, which were very popular, Medicare, right, Medicaid, Mm -hmm. um, et cetera, et cetera. And after that happened, uh, the amazingly productive Congress in 1965, 1966, passed a lot of things that were popular at the time, and then Democrats lost a bunch of seats in the next election. There just isn't a straightforward connection between doing popular things and what kind of results there are. So, you know, there have been some polling um, this summer about did um, this Congress and and President Biden produce anything that personally helps you? And it turns out that Democrats all say yes, Republicans all say no, and most people who are not partisans were also saying no, even though people got stimulus checks. You know, you can't get a more... And everybody thinks that the stimulus checks were great, and they, I think, noticed it. But two months after it happened, people forget that that was actually done. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do them, because the stimulus checks help the economy, and people do notice if the economy is doing well or not. And that does matter to a life. This is obviously, though, why the argument is not working, right? You're not the only one who's got this in mind, apparently, that just because things are polling well does not mean that they become legislation. Exactly. And and if they poll well, you know, we had a great example with Obamacare back in 2009 that yeah. it polled really, really well before congressional debate started. Then it's, it went downhill and, and it passed and eventually became relatively popular. Mm-hmm. So the direct connection between popularity and, you know, how things pull and how popular they turn out to be. It's just real tricky. And, and then the further connection between that and elect- electoral results, election results, is even more tricky. So, you know, there's lots of reasons to do things, and it's good for parties to have a sense of what's popular and what's not. You don't want to, you know, to the extent that it matters on the margin, you don't want to go trumpeting your least popular program without realizing it. The so debt ceiling is one thing. How about infrastructure, though? I mean, with, couldn't you say this this member voted against a bridge in your town? That's local news come election time. You know, it could be, but it could be that that there's all kinds of other, um, you know, uh, factors that come into play when we get to elections next year. After all, most people vote based on party. And after that, most people vote on sort of big fundamentals like how's the peace and prosperity or lack yep. thereof. Jonathan Bernstein, great to have you. Appreciate the insights as ever. Bloomberg, opinion columnist on Sound On. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Thanks for joining us live from the White House today. We've heard about minting a trillion dollar coin that came up in the briefing using the 14th Amendment. We talked about that yesterday, enabling the Treasury Secretary to handle it, even using couch cushions to manage the debt ceiling. But Democrats are trying again to handle it through legislation. 
even as Republicans continue to say no. One of them joins us now, Congressman James Comer, Republican from Kentucky, ranking member on the House Oversight Committee. Congressman, welcome. I'm told you already voted no on this latest effort. Are you, are you worried about a possible default at this point? No, I'm not worried. Uh, I think that the Democrats are going to have to get it together. Uh, they have complete power in Washington. They have the ability to do that. Uh, but uh, the disappointing thing that I've witnessed over the past eight months since Joe Biden's been president is, uh, despite his record of being a bipartisan senator, uh, despite his campaign pledge of being bipartisan, he's tried to rule uh, the first nine months in office in a 100 percent partisan manner. And it's just created a situation in Washington where there's more gridlock than we've ever seen. And that's saying a lot in an institution known for gridlock. It's interesting because we were calling this infrastructure bill the, the BIF, right, the bipartisan infrastructure right. bill. It was crafted with help from Republicans, but it appears House Republicans, for the most part, will not vote for it. Are you one of them? I am one of them, and uh, you were correct to say that in the beginning it was a bipartisan infrastructure bill created in the Senate. But then uh, immediately after those Republican senators left the White House with an agreement, uh, President Biden, catching flack from his uh what you might call the progressive wing, what uh, I call the socialist wing of the of the Democrat Party, uh, furious over the fact that the bipartisan infrastructure bill took out their human infrastructure and all their Green New Deal policies. He pledged to them that he would have another bill, which ends up being the budget reconciliation bill with all this uh, trillions of dollars worth of unnecessary spending on, on just a, a liberal wish list of, of items. So what's happened is... Uh, Pelosi and President Biden, and, and I don't know about Schumer, he's all over the board, but uh, at least Pelosi and Biden are trying to couple the infrastructure bill with the budget reconciliation bill. So uh, it, you, you're not voting on simply one bipartisan infrastructure bill. You're voting on uh, two bills now that have been coupled together, and it's just unacceptable uh, to just about every Republican up here what's in that budget reconciliation bill. Well, remembering that Mitch McConnell, of course— uh not just the minority leader, but but senator from Kentucky voted for for that infrastructure bill. Is there anything in there you're going to miss? If you vote no, you get no money for roads, bridges, broadband. Well, I think we can do better than the original infrastructure bill. Uh, only 20 percent of the total spending in the infrastructure bill went for roads and bridges. That's something that a lot of people don't, don't realize. So uh, I think that Infrastructure is bipartisan. I think it was something that, honestly, the Trump administration uh, failed to do that they probably could have done if they had, you know, worked at it in an organized manner. Uh, This is something that uh, Republicans and Democrats both want. This is something our constituents want. But when you're tying an infrastructure bill to a budget reconciliation bill with trillions and trillions of dollars worth of unnecessary spending, then I think you, you... you're going to end up where we are today with with gridlock in a partisan manner. And the problem that Pelosi's having is her progressives or socialists, whatever you want to call, don't want to uh, trust her on saying we're going to vote for the infrastructure bill. And then we'll turn around and and wait for you to bring that budget reconciliation bill to us, because Manchin has been very clear that he's not going to support that budget reconciliation bill at the current levels. Congressman, will you vote to fund the government if that uh, 
comes before the House in the next 24 hours? I don't want to see a government shutdown. That never ends well. I don't want to. I certainly don't want to see the federal government default on its debt. Uh, however, we we cannot continue to spend at the levels that we're spending, and and drastic m- measures uh, are required when when you have a situation where you have a federal government that's just out of control with spending. I mean, there's no transparency. Uh, there's no bipartisan cooperation taking place right now. Uh, the Democrats control the House, the Senate, and the White House. So uh, when they... If they, they can't, can't fund the government without Republicans, though, Congressman. That, well, that's true. That's true. But they haven't... You know, this is the first time they've tried to come to to Republicans in the House anyway. Yeah. Now, I know they worked with Republicans on the infrastructure bill in the Senate, but they didn't work with Republicans in the House on the infrastructure bill. So, uh, you know, we're trying to hold our ground... Uh, we represent 50% of America who is not satisfied with the spending. They're not satisfied with the lack of cooperation, certainly not uh, with the, the direction the country's going in when you talk about the lack of border security, the increasing crime, and certainly inflation. So, uh, you know, it's just not a pretty scene here in Washington. I'm just off the House floor right now, and it's, you know, it, it's going to be a, a rough 48 hours, I'm yeah. afraid. I get your view, though, Congressman, but it's just so our listeners understand a clean CR. To fund the government, a mm-hmm. continuing resolution is something that you would be in favor of. It, 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 it's it, in principle, I would be in favor of it. In yeah. principle, I don't want to see the government shut down. I don't want to see the U.S. default. But you know, I'm not happy with uh, the fact that Pelosi's in a closed door room, only communicating with her members on uh, what her secret plan is moving forward. Joe Biden's not making any effort to secure the border. So you know, we've got a lot of problems. Uh, that Republicans are trying to represent, and our voices aren't being heard. Uh, it's supposed to be a democracy here in Washington, but right now, uh, until we come up on the clock for a government shutdown, uh, yep. they've really not tried to include any of the House Republicans that on anything. Knows. And remember, Pelosi can only lose four votes on a bill, and, and the bill fails if all the Republicans stick. So uh, a lot of a lot of uh, questions are going to be answered in the next 48 hours, and it's terrible that we're in this situation sure. in America. But Just 30 hours you know, away. Uh, Congressman uh, James Comer with us, Republican from Kentucky. He's ranking member on the House Oversight Committee, and we do appreciate your insights, Congressman, for being with us on a very busy day in the House. As we get back to the panel for our remaining moments here, Kevin Walling, Democratic strategist, HD creative, former Biden campaign surrogate, is joined as well by John Hart, Republican strategist, co-founder of C3 Solutions, wrote the book The Debt Bomb. Kevin, that's the very phenomenon we were just talking about that uh, Congressman Comer outlined, this sense uh, among Republicans that the president is is being wagged by progressives. Yeah, I mean, it was a, a really interesting interview that you had with the congressman from, from Kentucky and, and some uh, you know things to highlight. Obviously, he, he's not really sure if he supports a CR broken out from the debt limit. Obviously, he said he doesn't want to see the government default. But but this is the problem that we see is, you know, this debt limit question should ha- and has always been a bipartisan issue. Uh, this question of bipartisan infrastructure uh, investment. Now, I, I will grant you that the, you know, the White House has spent a lot of time with Senate Republicans on this issue. Mm-hmm. Shelley Moore Capito, others engaging over the months and probably not as focused on the House. Um, and that might be a, a problem as the, you know, the White House grapples with how to engage Republicans in the Congress. That would be, you know, one 
one point that I would, you know, disagree with probably with the, the, um, the strategy of the White House. But we'll see in these next, you know, 24 to 48 hours how that how that all plays out. Well, I can't imagine that a CR, which continues, it's a continuing resolution. It does not increase spending. John Hart would be a problem for Republicans in the House. Or are we going to hear the Republican leadership tell members to vote against that? Well, you know, I would bet a clean CR would pass. But I think on the debt limit, the the option that no one talks about in Washington that the American people like is to cut spending, is to live within our means instead of constantly raising the debt limit. And back in 2010, we pioneered at Coburn's office using the debt limit as a a negotiating tool. Mm -hmm. We got the Budget Control Act, and spending actually went down for the first time since the Korean War a couple years after that. So it can be a very effective negotiating tactic. And and the the analogy Coburn used at the time, who was a doctor, is like, look, if, if you're dealing with a patient who has a drug addiction, is it better to let them convulse or to go on with their addiction and die? And that's how a lot of Republicans view the debt, is that is that we're on an unsustainable physical course. We're hurting our economy. We're slowing growth by having a high debt-to-GDP ratio. And, and look, it's, it's House progressives who have taken the posture of it's, it's our way or no highway. Yeah. And they've they've really stalled the process here. Well, that's a missed opportunity, though, John, for Republicans, is it not? Why not use this as leverage for to call for debt reduction? Or, or am I just sounding they old and cute here? should. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. No, look, and look, look and all on the climate issue, I think Democrats are, are so irresponsible and all over the map in terms of their messaging. You know, they're, they've linked – they've said climate is the existential crisis of our time, yet they're pushing a, a package – that includes universal preschool and includes major expansions in government-run health care, free college. So, you know, what, what, are the, what is the carbon reduction of having universal preschool? I mean, there's, there's none. It's, it's a total non sequitur. Yeah. So I think what Republicans should do is make the case that free economies are clean economies. We should live within our means. We should recycle government waste rather than creating more. And, and make that argument in a very fulsome way, and I think we'd win a lot of people over Kevin Walling, uh, we just uh, learned that Chuck Schumer just left the building here as we join you from the White House. He has left his meeting following Nancy Pelosi uh, to head back to, I presume, Capitol Hill. What do you think they talked about? Do you think they moved the needle when you have both leaders in the room on the eve of two pretty important deadlines here? Are we going to get an announcement? I, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm hopeful. Like I said, at you know, at the outset of this interview, I think they've focused like a laser on Senator Cinema for the most part, and maybe mm-hmm. a secondary uh, with Senator Manchin. But you know, to John's point about the, the debt limit, you know, I I, I I love to entertain these conversations, but I, I think it would be more impactful and meaningful if Republicans spoke out during the four years of Trump and the eight trillion dollars added to the debt. I mean, you know, we we only have these conversations on the debt and deficit. Uh, when it seems like the other party's in charge. And, yeah, spending's out of control. I'm a liberal Democrat. Spending's out of control. I, at least, you know, I think in the, pay, you know, in the regards to the reconciliation package, they're pay, pay for it. We want to raise taxes on corporations and the most wealthy to pay for it. At least we're, we're not adding to the debt and deficit when it comes to that. But it can't be this cat and mouse game that we play all the time with the debt and deficit. When one party's in control, we're talking about it. When we're in control, we don't talk about it. We've got to have some responsibility across the board when it comes to, to things like that. Kevin Walling, John Hart, I don't have any time left, but I need to hear from both of you. Will infrastructure get a vote in the House tomorrow, Kevin? Yes. 100% John, what do yes. you think? Yes, and it will fail, then we'll try again. Wow. It's going to be a big day. So you better join us back here at this time tomorrow. Hey, we've got a dinner lid at the White House. Keep your eyes on that baseball game. Let's see what happens. 
Kevin, John, thank you. Appreciate you being part of the fastest hour in politics. How does it go by? It's sound on. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.